Over the last several weeks, we've been focusing on the last three chapters of 2 Corinthians, discovering some instructions for faithful living. How can we live for Christ every day? How can we be the people that God created us to be? What are some instructions for faithful living? We've seen how Paul provides this for the Corinthian church and how those instructions also apply to each one of us. Today we're going to be looking at, at the conclusion of that section of 2 Corinthians in chapter 13. We're going to be focusing on the 14th verse this morning. I don't know about you, there, there are rare individuals who do enjoy this, but most people, when it comes to math class, even if they like math, they don't really like equations so much. I mean, the equations are stuff that you have to memorize and you have to get it exactly right or it won't work. Uh, sometimes that's not the, the favorite part of that particular course, but, but the reality is we use equations all the time. In life, if you're paying your bills each month, you take the bills that you have, you add those up, you subtract that from the money that you have, and that's the money you have left. That's an equation. Or if you're watching a baseball game and the announcer says the tying run is on first base, well, that means the number of runs that your team has, uh, plus uh, the number of people that are on base at that time, they equal the number of runs that the other team has, and it means that the winning run is coming up to the plate. That's an equation. Or when the ice cream worker asks you, do you want one scoop or two? That's an easy equation. <laughs> we got that one. You know, two scoops is always better than one, uh, unless you're doing the calorie equation. And well, Who brought this equation stuff up anyway? Well, I guess I did, but the point is, whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, we use equations all the time. Paul concludes his words to the Corinthian church here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 with an equation, an equation that every believer and every church needs to know. He concludes with what I'm going to call the grace Equation. Let's take a look at this here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's the grace equation. The grace of Jesus. Leads to the love of God, which brings about the presence of the Holy Spirit, which results in fellowship. That's a good equation. We're going to see why in just a moment. Why it's essential for every believer and especially for every church to understand. First of all, we all need grace. Specifically, we need the grace that only Jesus can provide. It is essential to understand why, and it's essential to understand what that grace does in our life. We need the grace of Christ because in our sin we are separated from God. We are dead in our sins. Dead people don't do much. Dead people don't accomplish very much. They especially don't accomplish very much for themselves. And we, in our sins, are spiritually dead. God, on the other hand, is perfectly righteous. 
He cannot have sin in His presence. And that leaves every one of us out. We can't be in God's presence because we are sinful. He is not. Or to look at it another way, all of us that are believers, we're looking forward to going to heaven, right? We're excited about going to heaven. We want to go to heaven. That's why we're going to be studying heaven on Wednesday night. we got lots of questions about heaven. We want to know what it's going to be like. What does the Bible say about heaven? We'll be looking at that Wednesday evening, 6.30, starting this, this Wednesday. But we all want to go to heaven. But one of the things that we all think about when we think about heaven, we think about heaven being a perfect place. And it is. It's absolutely perfect. I mean, nobody would want to get to heaven and be disappointed. (laughs) Nobody would want to get to heaven and think, why is that here? That's not right. No, we want heaven to be a perfect place. But here's the problem. I'm not perfect. So the second that I step into heaven, heaven's not perfect anymore. Unless something has happened to me. Unless something has transformed me, unless something that I can't do for myself, I can't possibly make myself perfect. It has to be something that is done for me by someone who is able to take my sin away. And only Jesus can do that. That's why we need the grace that only Jesus can provide. And through the grace of Christ, He transforms us. He makes us perfect. And we don't deserve that. I couldn't manufacture that. I couldn't find some way to all of a sudden make myself perfect because I'm dragging along all the junk that I've already done. But Jesus, when He went to the cross, He took all of my junk and all of your junk and all of everybody's junk that would receive Him and He paid the price for all of it. That's an amazing thing. That's why we call it amazing grace. But it doesn't stop there. The grace of Christ is not just fire insurance. It isn't just something that just gets us to heaven. Now, it does. It's the reason why we're able to enter into heaven. We would not be able to enter into heaven without it. But God's grace is far more than just that. God's grace is not just for one day in the sweet by and by. God's grace is for us right now. So this morning, for just a few moments, we're going to look at this grace equation to discover what it is that grace does in our life. Look at the benediction again that Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul follows very closely this, the phrasing that we find that Jesus used in what we often call the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, uh, Jesus, among other things, he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not just talking about the Trinity. He is there. He is presenting this fact that that God is three and yet one. Uh, If you're in some of the Sunday school classes, next week you're going to study about that, about what the Trinity means and what that's all about. Some of our Sunday school classes, they're going to be taking a look at some of the foundational understandings of our faith, and that's the first one. It is how God can be Father, Son, and Spirit and still be one God and why that's important, why that's significant. Well, well, Jesus is, is emphasizing that, Paul is, too. 
too. They're, they're presenting the Trinity in these verses, but they're presenting much, much more than just that. They are presenting the way that grace transforms our life. Paul begins by identifying that this is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that. Only Jesus can do this. No one else. He's the only one that can provide this for us. Now, if you read 2 Corinthians, it's a tough letter. In fact, most theologians believe that this letter is the harshest of all the letters that Paul writes in the, in the New Testament. And if you read through some of those letters, he has some pretty difficult things to discuss with some of those churches. But 2 Corinthians, <laughs> it, it takes the cake. Because the Corinthian church was having a world of problems. They were just doing all kinds of stuff. They were arguing. They were debating things they didn't really even need to be debating. They were wondering who was a better Christian than another They had all kinds of ideas about what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing as a church. And and they were just fussing and fuming and fighting. Paul writes 1 Corinthians. They don't listen to him. He writes another letter that we don't have preserved in the New Testament. And then he writes 2 Corinthians. They're still fussing and fuming all over. And so 2 Corinthians is a tough letter to read. Because... Paul deals directly with some of these problems that they're having. He says, now wait, you need to stop and think about what you're doing. What you're doing is wrong. You're headed the wrong direction. And so he helps them to understand that, helps them to find some ways to get back to the right path. So it's a tough letter. It's a harsh letter, especially if you had been one of the ones who initially were receiving it. You know, he takes them to task. He doesn't beat around the bush. He says, you guys need to really kind of get this stuff under control. But even in the midst of of what is a very difficult letter to read, what is a very harsh letter, he concludes this letter with a reminder about the grace of Jesus Christ. A grace that extends even to those who were bickering in the church. Even to those who have been causing all kinds of problems and dissensions. Even to those who said Paul shouldn't be an apostle. Paul says, Jesus' grace is for you also. As believers, we're going to have differences. We're going to have different opinions. We're going to have different likes and dislikes. Sometimes we're going to be at odds with one another. We need to remember we all worship the same Jesus who gave to each and every one of us His amazing grace. We're going to have differences in our humanity this side of heaven. We always will. But it is absolutely essential that we remember the grace that Jesus has extended to all of us. And Paul continues that this grace of Christ, it leads to the love of God. Because we know God's love through the grace of Christ. In fact, there would be no other way that we could know it. There's no other way that we could fully experience the grace of God except through, or the love of God, except through the grace that Jesus has given to us. We don't deserve for God to love us. We're all sinners. 
We've all disobeyed him. We have all spit in his face. We are the ones who put his son on the cross. We don't deserve God's love. We deserve God's wrath. And yet, through the grace of Jesus Christ, instead of what we deserve, we experience the love of God. And because of God's love, he does something really amazing. I know you have people in your life that you love, but you just assume not have them over for dinner. <laughs> you know, you love them. They're your family or their friends or however you're connected to them. But you really don't want to be around them all that much. <laughs> God not only loves you, He wants to be with you. And not just for a moment, not just for one conversation, not just for one meal. God wants to be with you always. And so, because of His love, He comes to us in the presence of His Holy Spirit. That's the third part of the equation that that Paul describes here. That through His love, we have His Spirit living in us. Always, if you know Jesus Christ, you will never be without the presence of God. Ever. I mean, think about that. You have the presence of God right now while you're here in church singing hymns and songs of praise. You have the presence of God right now. You'll have the presence of God when you go home this afternoon. You'll have the presence of God when you go to sleep tonight. You'll have the presence of God when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow whatever it is you've got on on your schedule, you will still have the presence of God in you. Always. And that presence of God that each of us as believers have, that's what leads to fellowship. To the fact that we are united. We who come from a lot of different backgrounds. We who come from a lot of different places in life. We've had lots of different experiences in life. We have different likes and dislikes. We don't always agree. But we have one thing that we share in common. As believers, we all have the same Holy Spirit living in us. Now that's an equation to remember. Years ago, when I, when I took an accounting class, in part of that class, we had to develop uh, ledger sheets. Now, these were these giant sheets of paper that had all these little squares on them, and, and you had to write down numbers in the squares. We were, uh, were adding up credits and debits. On one side of the ledger sheets, you'd have your credits, and on one side of the ledger sheets, you'd have your debits. And, and supposedly, when you added all those up, they were supposed to be the same. Somehow mine never were. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it wasn't always the same mistake. I mean, either I'd write down the wrong number, I'd transpose some numbers, or I just would write the number down incorrectly and so it wouldn't add up correctly. Or, or sometimes when I added them up, I, I would make a mistake in my arithmetic and, and wouldn't get it added correctly. But I had a terrible time. I, I could never get those things to work out. I could never get, that's why they call it a balanced sheet, because it's supposed to balance. Mine were never balanced. <laughs> But I did learn one thing in accounting class, very important, significant fact that I've always remembered. What I learned in accounting class was I never want to be an accountant. 
so I married one, so I don't have to. And then after I graduated from college, not, actually not too long after I got out of college, they developed this wonderful thing. The computer spreadsheet. Digital. And this thing does all the work for you. You put the numbers in there and it adds them all up for you. And, and if you made a mistake, it'll even highlight, whoa, that's a mistake right there. You don't have to hunt for where it is. You find where it is and make it right. They were amazing. Why didn't they have those when I was in counting class? And I've used computer spreadsheets through the years and, and discovered something really important. Even they, it's really significant that, that in those cells of the spreadsheet, where it's supposed to be adding everything up, you've got to have the right equation. You've got to make sure that it's adding up the right numbers because if your equation is wrong, everything else on the spreadsheet is going to be wrong. You've got to make sure that you've got the right equation. Paul knew spiritually the same is true for the church. We have to have the right Equation, And so he gives this equation, the grace equation, that the grace of Christ reveals the love of God who then lives in our life, uniting us together. If the Corinthians could remember that, they could get through not only their current crisis, but they could get through anything that might come up in years to come. And they not only could just make it through... They could flourish. They could be fruitful as a church. They could grow. They could reach people for Christ in Corinth and beyond as long as they could remember and focus on the reality of the grace of Jesus Christ. We can too. If we will only remember the equation. Here's what happens. Too many times when we kind of have differences, when we have different opinions or, or we kind of get into discussion and we have our own ideas about the way things, we focus on the difference. And when we focus on the difference, we're focusing on the wrong thing. It's why friends who, who get in a squabble and then they don't talk to each other anymore they forget about the 30 years of friendship that they have, and all they can remember is that one harsh word that they just can't let go of. That's why churches split. They get focused on some difference, on you know, difference of opinion about what the color of the carpet should be or which side of the auditorium the piano ought to be on or all kinds of issues that don't really matter, and they lose their focus on what really does matter, the grace of Jesus. When we focus on that, when we recognize that though we're different, though we're not the same, though we're unique, though we have different opinions on, on different items of, of specifics, we are all united in the grace of Jesus Christ that He has shown us. We're all united in our need for God's grace, and we're all united in the fact that He has shown us His grace. We're all united in the fact that through His grace we know the love of God. We're all united in the fact that through God's love He gives us His presence in our life. And through that presence in our life, we are united in Christ. That's an equation to remember. Heavenly Father,
Help us to focus on what really matters. So often in life, we can, we can lose that focus as we, we, we get involved with a lot of things that just don't really matter. So Lord, help us to focus on, the, on what unites us. That when we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we know a grace that truly is amazing. A grace that shows us your love. A love that reveals to us your constant presence. And for that, we give you praise, Heavenly Father. And today we ask that you'd make your presence known right here in this place today. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and for the very first time, you've realized, you know, I need Jesus. There's something missing in my life. I've tried to get things right. I've tried to fix things. I've tried to make my life what it and I'm just, it's just not working. And we have good news for you. That Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. He, he's already paid the price for you. He's already taken everything that you're dragging along behind you. He's already paid for it. He did it on the cross. It's paid in full. And then three days later, he rose again to prove to you that not only can he forgive you, he can give you everlasting life, if only by faith you'll receive him as Savior and Lord. Now, ordinarily, we invite you to come to the front and sit down and talk with us. We can't do that right now because of the virus situation, but we have a way that you can do that. Uh, in the, the pew racks before you, there's a little white card that says connection card on the top of it. Just take one of those cards, give us some information about how we can contact you, and then just write down on the card, I want to know more about Jesus. I, I, there's a place you can check even. It says, I want to follow Jesus. Just check that box. If you're watching us online, you can do the same thing. There's a digital version of that very same card. It's at nationalheights.org backslash hello. If you'll just go to that page, you'll see that same connection card in a digital form. Just give us some a way to contact you, and then there's a place where you can check. I want to know more about Jesus. Maybe there's some other way that God is leading you this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home, a place where you can unite with some other Christians, be involved in ministry in the Lord's kingdom. We would love to share with you. You can be a part of what God's doing at National Heights. Just Again, just check that box. Or, or maybe there's some way you'd like us to be praying with you. Maybe you've got a prayer need in your life and you'd like some fellow Christians to be praying with you. On the back side of those connection cards here physically or at the very bottom of that digital card, there's a place where you can indicate a prayer need, something you'd like us to be praying about with you. We would be honored to pray with you this morning. Whatever it might be, in whatever way God is leading you today, you listen, responding to his call as we sing together.